but it's in the unreasonableness that you get the extraordinary stories and the extraordinary life and the extraordinary growth. So your life is really, the size of your life is completely in proportion to how willing you are to be uncomfortable. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's episode of The Formula, where we break down and explore the elements of health, wealth, happiness, and achievement with amazing people from all over the world. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Trevor Carlson. I'm really pumped for you to be here today. Uh, quick shout out to my friend Danny Lodick for lending me the book 2AM Principle by today's guest, Jean Levy. If Danny, if you hadn't lent me that book, wouldn't have had the opportunity to uh, to read it, really enjoy it, and uh, have John on the show. So, big shout out to you. Today's guest is the, like I said, the author of the Two AM Principle, John Levy. So, what what is the formula for the most epic night of your life? Like how can you design a night so amazing, so spontaneous, so so fun? Like what, what are the factors that go into that? That is what we cover today. John is a behavioral scientist who studied the science of adventure, and he's going to share the four elements that lead to an adventurous night out. In this episode, we discuss assembling your team, devising constraints, and overcoming obstacles so you can have one of the best nights of your life. I really enjoyed this interview with John, and I had a lot of fun talking with him. He's been on some some crazy adventures and he shares some of those today and i hope that you find some value out of it too now a quick word from our sponsor this episode is brought to you by lady boss lady boss is the first global weight loss and support community for women their mission is to help women lose weight while loving themselves they help women get their confidence back improve the overall quality of their life, and change the health of their entire family. They do this through providing the best information, products, and services possible in fitness, nutrition, and accountability. Lady Boss. Over 1,309,573 women supported and counting. To sign up for Lady Boss, head to the sponsored products page on theformulapodcast.com. Now, back to the show. On this episode of The Formula, I have with me John Levy. John, I'm, I've been really excited to, uh, to, to do this episode since I read your book, The 2AM Principle. I, I knew if I'd write a book, eventually I'd find somebody who'd read it. So thank you for being the one. <laughs> I, have to, I have to give props to, uh, and a shout out to my friend, uh, Danny Lodick, who actually uh recommended the book he he picked it up and read it and loved it and uh told me i should check it out and i think he lent it to me and then i took a bunch of i scribbled a bunch of notes in it and hopefully he doesn't want it back now but um but yeah <laughs> i i love the book i i love the concept from it i even um you know after we exchanged emails and set the set this uh episode up i um you know i coerced some of my some of my friends into maybe not the best decision, but following the, uh, following the, the plan or the, the formula from your book. And I, I mean, I have to say from personal experience and from a lot of the, uh, the feedback I got at the end of the night that it's, you know, we had, we had a pretty epic night out and some people were even, I mean, and we were in Iowa for, <laughs> for some context. Um, and they were saying it was some of the, they had like one of the best nights out of their entire life. I mean, it was, it was nuts. So, but before we, before we jump into the actual, um, the actual lessons and theories in the book, um, would you mind sharing with, uh, with some of the listeners, like why, why they should listen to you? Why, why they should, uh, you know, take your word for, for what the, what the formula for the most epic night out of their lives is? Uh, so let's just start off with that they shouldn't listen to me. The, <laughs> the, you see, the issue, with adventure. Uh, and I'm going to use my definition of adventure because if you look across different dictionaries, there isn't like a, a specific one that everybody agrees on. Uh, is that an adventure is an experience that's one, exciting and remarkable. It's worth talking about. Uh, two, possesses adversity and or risk, 
preferably perceived risk, meaning that you don't actually have to put yourself in direct danger uh, in order to have an adventure. You can have a perceived risk like a social challenge or uh, get over a personal fear or something like that. And then the third is it brings about growth. Uh, the person you are at the end of the experience is different than the person that started. So any great movie, story, whatever it is, uh, the protagonists uh, fundamentally change as a byproduct of their experiences. And uh, Joseph Campbell talks about that essentially when the hero comes home uh, is a grown or different person. So the reason I say you shouldn't is because it you fundamentally have to be willing to struggle with something. You have to be willing to grow. And that's really uncomfortable. And the benefit is that you get to be an expanded, better version of yourself. But there are risks involved, and you have to accept that. And so if that appeals to you, if it appeals to you to have wild experiences, meet interesting people, you also have to be willing to accept the fact that, you know, if you go hiking in the wilderness, you could injure yourself. Or if you uh, talk to strangers, you might embarrass yourself. Uh, and so it really has to be a personal choice. I totally get that where it's, it's, it's almost that uh, when you're, when you're going to go on this type of um, adventure or uh, whatever you'd like to call it. And, and, you know, you have, there has to be some, it has to be a little bit outside of maybe what you're comfortable with or used to. So when you, when you went on the, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, the journey to write this, to write this book, you know, what, what, what made you feel like you, you were, um, I don't know if qualified is the right word, but we're, we're going to go with qualified to, uh, to, <laughs> to, to create this, um, to create this, uh, you know, for uh, manual, I guess, on, on creating a, a night full of adventure. Uh, so Here's the, the basic storyline. I grew up incredibly geeky and unpopular. I was that kid that uh, in eighth grade, my teacher walks into the classroom, like the homeroom teacher, and she said, we're reassigning seating and everybody can secretly or privately submit two people they want to sit with and two people they don't want to sit with. And I unfortunately found out that um, that there were... Uh, I said, sorry, let me state that over. I unfortunately found out that I was the one kid in the class that nobody wanted to sit with. Like I was really unpopular. Um, but what I lacked in social skills, I made up for in my love of science. And I figured that if I could figure out how people behaved, then maybe, just maybe, um, I could figure out how to make friends. And so I'd see movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and I try to understand like how did like how did Ferris Bueller or uh any of these other characters in these movies that we cherish um how did they pull off these crazy stunts how what made them so popular and likable and people would say oh you know adventures happen by chance they're completely random like i went out and i bumped into this person and this thing happened and all of a sudden next thing i know i'm bungee jumping in bermuda with a bunch <laughs> of strangers and i'm like that that can't possibly be true it can't just be random because if it was all of us would live similarly exciting lives random suggests an equal chance and we don't certain people live far more adventurous lives than others, which means that if we can understand what these people do and we can embody those uh, characteristics, we can really live an exciting life. And so that's what I set out to do. I set out to quantify what it is that these really adventurous people do and how they behave or what's going on in an adventure so that it's available to all of us. So I, I started traveling around the world and I would make terrible mistakes that would sometimes almost get me killed. I got crushed by a bull in Pamplona. I almost froze while swimming in zero degree water in Antarctica and people on the boat were like expediting me back to the ship to warm up. I climbed the ghost tower of Bangkok and almost fell off. Uh, but in the process, I began to realize that every adventure actually follows a predictable four stage process. And as I looked at behavioral science and 
biology and psychology and behavioral economics, I began to realize that there are these basic tenets that really um, support people living an exciting and adventurous life. Yeah, and I think that brings me to my to my next question. So, so if if there are some folks that are listening to this and that haven't read your book yet, and uh, you know they they are looking for this, let's just let's just take it to one or bring it down to one single night, and they're looking for that one, like they're like, we want this night to be legendary. Where would you have them start? The most important thing by far is the people you surround yourself with. So the first stage of adventure is establish. You put the right elements in place so that anything can happen. Not that it will, but that it can. Because you could have an invitation to the greatest party on the planet. But if you're pe- the people you're hanging out with are super lame, the experience is going to be miserable. And you could be stuck at an airport at, you know, on a holiday uh, with a bunch of strangers, but if they're really cool, then it could be just the most amazing experience. I was, uh, I fly a lot because of my work and I got stuck in like some random small town airport in upstate New York because nobody could, uh, land in New York City. Uh, and so they rerouted the flight. And next thing I know, I'm, uh, exploring this small town for six hours with a complete random group of strangers I met on the plane. Uh, and in order to find food, we had to like hike across town, find the train tracks, find a way over the train tracks because everything was fenced. Uh, and, and it became this elaborate experience that was completely absurd, but amazingly enjoyable because of the people I was with and the attitude they had. So there's this uh, really wild study that was done by Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler. They were studying the obesity epidemic. And they were curious, is obesity the type of epidemic that passes from person to person like a cold? Right? You sneeze and your friend gets sick. Or is it a percentage of the population like Alzheimer's? And what they found was absolutely shocking. If you have an obese friend, your chances of obesity increase by 45%. But what's even more interesting, your friends who don't know them, their chances increase by 20%. And their friends by 5%, which means we each have an effect five degrees out. Not five degrees out, sorry, three degrees out. And this isn't limited to obesity. It's also true for happiness, marriage and divorce rates, smoking habits, anything you could imagine. So the very essential key is to put together the right team of people. Uh, After that, what I recommend is explore a new location because your brain actually operates differently in a new environment. That doesn't mean good or bad. It means just fundamentally new. So you could go to new bars, try shows that you've never seen before, whatever it is. Um, And from there, there's a whole bunch of other things you can do. You can set a mission for the experience. So something that'll bond the group by having a common goal uh, or constraints. Like if you're stuck in a small town and it's the same three bars, and what if you uh, go out, but you can't spend more than $5? Yeah. So now you have to be really creative in the way that you go out. So yeah. that's kind of the first stage. You establish, you put the right elements in place. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember from the book, there was, there was a couple you gave a few guidelines or a few uh, possible um, constraints to use. And uh, I'm just, I'm just going to use my point of reference, which is actually trying this out, which is, uh, God, what did we use? We used, we had to go to a new, since we were in kind of a smaller town, uh, a college town, but there's, so there's still a number of bars. Uh, we had to go to a new place every hour. We, oh, fun. yeah. And then we had to, um, uh, we had somebody new had to pick, the new place, the next place. Uh So some, we couldn't have the same person just picking all the places. And then the third one was within reason, within, within, uh, within reason and within, um, the law. (laughs) Uh, if somebody made a suggestion, then we had to go with it. Oh, wow. That seems, that's, (laughs) that's an impressive one. Yeah. So, it was it was a very special night. There was, I think, one of my highlights 
of the night was um, a friend of mine requested another part, a member of the group. I think we started with eight people and we ended up with like 30 some by the end of the night. That's uh, incredible. Yeah. So there was a challenge. Um, my friend Laura challenged my friend Eric to do the worm. And he was like, I don't know how to do the worm. And she just kind of shrugged and he was like, really? <laughs> and so he cleared the dance floor to do the worm. And then he just basically face planted in front of everyone. Oh, oh <laughs> brutal. Was, yeah. And I was, I almost fell down laughing. Uh, everybody was dying, but, uh, yeah. So, um, there's, those are some examples of some of the constraints from the book. Are there any others that come to mind that you would recommend some, maybe some novice adventurers use? Uh, so you can use, uh, th- there's a lot of things. So, uh, one rule I really like is that you can't go to places you've already been. Um, another is put a time constraint. Uh, going out longer doesn't necessarily make it a better experience. There's, uh, you just wear yourself out. So if you put a time constraint, like you have to fit all of whatever it is that you want to do into a three or five hour period of time, it's actually an amazingly effective way to motivate people. When you have unlimited options and unlimited time, it's overwhelming. Um, what else? Uh, I really like setting projects. I, I remember uh, going on a date once and I said, okay, we have $20 and we have to perform three random acts of kindness. And so uh, we bought somebody who was homeless a meal. And then we went into Dwayne Reed, which is like a pharmacy chain here, and bought supplies to make uh, cut like to for us to literally create uh, cards for random strangers to tell them they're wonderful. <laughs> and it was like this super strange creative activity that, uh, but it was it fulfilled on this mission, and it was a great date, and it was also as a bonus in a time in my life when I didn't have much money, and really inexpensive. That's a great idea for. I mean, that's something I, I, I wouldn't even have even have thought of for, for a day or even like a, a night out or an afternoon out. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's pretty brilliant because I'm sure that you made a lot of memories with that person. So you have, all right. So you've, you've assembled your team and I think you referred to them as, as your fellowship in the book, if I remember correctly. Uh, uh I usually, I think, refer to them as a team, but it, <laughs> it sounds like something I could say just to be extra geeky. I make references <laughs> to like probably every geek franchise from Star Trek to Doctor Who along the way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if I put in a Lord of the Rings reference somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so you, you want to get the right, the right people on board. Yeah, I... And I, I love that I I love that like calling the, the fellowship over anything else because when I was explaining it to the people I had recruited, I, I was like, you know, there's a chance we're gonna lose some people on the way, but we're probably gonna gain some new people too. <laughs> uh-huh. So you're you're the starting group. Um so you, you have your team, uh you've picked your place, you have your mission set up, uh you're getting ready to go out for the night. What advice would you have for these for these uh for these new adventures to really um approach the night? Uh, so the first is, um, don't, sorry, there's this like famous phrase that goes, um, you have to be willing to give up the life you planned for the life that's calling to you, which is, yeah, you might have concert tickets. You might have, uh, this interest in going to a specific restaurant, but if on your way there, you bump into a moving limo with a, you know, this literally happened to me. Uh, a limo was driving down the street as I was leaving a party uh, and it had a three foot long inflated uh, penis hanging out the window. And it was a bachelor, bachelorette party. And uh, so me and my friends just started running after it and jumped in. And that completely changed the course of the night. But if you're too attached to accomplishing... Uh, to doing something very specific, you'll miss out on opportunities and serendipity of it all. Uh, so one is, um, yes, it's it's important to fulfill your mission or go after your mission, uh, but don't get so stuck on it that you miss the great opportunities. If your mission is to do three random acts of kindness and all of a sudden, uh, you know, a, 
celebrity says, hey, come party with me, are you going to be like, no, no, no acts of kindness. Uh, sorry, I'm, I've, I've got a, I can't come with you. I'm going to go do these random acts of kindness. Right. Uh, so it just has to make sense. Um, so that's one. Uh, two, uh, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. So growth comes from being outside your comfort zone. And so it's important to be comfortable with your discomfort, right? Uh, so you're going to cross some kind of social, emotional, or physical boundary. Uh, and uh, what's really important as you do this is realizing the line between um, a perceived risk and an actual uh, risk. Meaning, uh, when I went to running the bulls and I got crushed, that was actual peril. I put my life in danger. And that's not necessary uh, to, to live an adventurous life. Most of the experiences that I describe in the book and most of the experiences that I have usually involve some kind of social interaction uh, that pushes me outside of my comfort zone. And even though the brain processes these things differently, your physical response of fear and adrenaline and excitement and all these things, uh, the physiological response is almost identical. And so you can have this experience of feeling like you're overcoming a challenge without ever putting yourself in direct danger. So I think that those would be like if, just really critical uh, philosophical elements of uh, what it is that uh, people should be prepared for. Yep. I, I definitely agree. I feel like there's, I feel like there's a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's, you're going to do, like if you, if you decide to follow this, um, it's, there's going to be some moments that come up where you have the opportunity to do what you normally do, which is maybe just kind of sit down and grab a beer or, or whatever, and just kind of casually coast through the night, or you mm -hmm. can, accept this challenge and then, you know, uh, or not challenge or opportunity, whatever it is. And to then move on to that, that the next, the next level of the night, which, which <laughs> it, it seems that this has the tendency to maybe have a kind of a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important also to point out that not everybody has the same, um, tolerance for novelty. So some people, super introverted, like quiet experiences, there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't give you an excuse not to grow and not to experience new things. But it just means that the, your approach might be different. It might be on a smaller scale. And that's totally fine. I mean, I don't recommend anybody... Like one, at one point, and this is, these are all true stories in the book, within 10 seconds of meeting the woman behind the duty-free counter at Stockholm Airport... Uh, she decides to quit her job and travel with me. Now, that's completely insane. There, there's no like, there's no reasonable human being uh, who agrees to something like that. But it's in the unreasonableness that you get the extraordinary stories and the extraordinary life and the extraordinary growth. So your life is really, the size of your life is completely in proportion to how willing you are to be uncomfortable. Hmm. That's a really, uh, that's a really good point. And so, um, in the case of uh, what was that? The the woman from Stockholm. We ended up becoming super close family friends. Uh, she then came to our family reunion the following year. It like we were close, and it's incredible. Uh, and it's because we shared this completely insane. Um, uh, experience together. Uh, uh, but that's also not right for everybody. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree, agree more with that. And it's, and it's also, you, I feel like you kind of have to work your way up to, to that level of comfort as well, where you're probably not going to, you're not going to go from <laughs> casual, <laughs> casual adventure or like, or like, uh, net, like never really been on an adventure to, you know, convincing somebody you met 10 seconds ago to, to travel with you all over the world. Yeah, I think the first thing is to that you need to do is say yes. Uh, and realize that in most cases, in most cases, uh, it, you can still say no later, right? So if I say, oh, I want to come, I'll go with you on this party and I hop on the subway and I'm chatting with you. And then 
at like 10 minutes in, I go, you know what, guys, this has been really fun. I'm going to go, uh, um, you know, hang out with my friends. Uh, that's always an option. It's not, nobody's requiring you to do something. And most of the time that's, that, that actually works. Uh, and it's functional, right? Sometimes you're like on a flight, so you can't just turn around, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, you can't just Not jump off or anything. Yeah. So there's this, um, there's this issue that we suffer from, which is a matter of, uh, we're fooled into thinking that the frequency of terrible things is significantly greater than it is. Uh, you know, the, nobody really gets kidnapped or there aren't really that many serial killers in the world. It's just there, all these TV shows make a fortune convincing us there are. So uh, overwhelmingly, people have never been more safe now than they were in history, uh, and which means that you can safely take on uh, risks and adventures and so on. Now, I do want to point out that uh, that I have no right to say to to define somebody else's risk capacity, right? If you're a, a petite woman and you you feel like you're unsafe in an environment, that's you have to do what you're comfortable with. Or, it, you know, in U.S. culture, um, police harassment of minorities is is a is an endemic issue, and I'm not here to tell people to put themselves in danger uh, or bad situation. But what I can tell you is, statistically speaking, the world has never been safer. Yeah. And, and that... Oh, go ahead, please. No, it's, 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 funny that, it's funny that you say that because I'm, you know, I'm currently on a, a long-term adventure, I suppose, spending about a month in a different country for until whenever I decide to stop. Uh, <laughs> and, yep. and I remember when I uh, was getting ready to leave... Um, you know, I told my, I grew up in a very small town. Um, sounds like we might have had some <laughs> similar, um, similar childhoods in that, like I, I wasn't the coolest person <laughs> growing up, but, <laughs> um, but I, uh, you know, it was very, it was a pretty, I don't want to use the word sheltered, but I'm going to <laughs> a pretty sheltered place. Uh, and when I was telling my family that I'm leaving, cause it was like a town of 2000 people, man. So it's not, you know, that's like a block in New York City or something. So, um, uh -huh. so they, I think my sister's convinced that I will be murdered at some point in time. And <laughs> there were a couple of relatives that were just like, you know, you need to be really safe. And I'm like, I'm over here and I'm like, I'm, this is, I feel safer than at home half the time. <laughs> but, uh, I, I just think that people are much better than like the people in the world are much better than a lot of us, um, give them credit for. The fact is that most people are too busy dealing with their crap to to uh, pay too much attention to us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they're too self-absorbed to have ill intent. Right. Yes, I, um, I completely agree with you. So bring. bring so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, please. Yeah, I was. I was just going to bring it back to the um, the uh, the uh, night out stuff. Um, okay. So you have your, you know, you have your, you have your crew, your team, your, your, uh, what, whatever you want to call them, your fellowship, you have your mission, uh -huh. you're bouncing in different locations. Um, you're kind of taking things on as they, as they come open to new opportunities. What kind of obstacles, um, can you expect to run into throughout the night and how do you, how do you overcome those? Uh, so I wish I had the answers to how to overcome everything, uh, but <laughs> Uh, that's part of what makes it exciting. So there's this researcher by the name of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. This actually, the story isn't in the book. So Mihai uh, is a psychologist. He was researching peak human performance. And he went around looking at what causes the top performers in every field uh, to be able to operate at their peak. And as he did, he began to notice people describing an experience uh, that seemed universal across all fields. So it didn't matter if you were a poet, an Olympic uh, athlete, or a scientist. 
And what that experience was, uh, often felt people said it was like being in a stream and you were being carried by a river. And so he titled it Flow. And it's a state where people don't know where they end and the activity begins. They don't know if um, they've lost all sense of self-consciousness and there's an intrinsic ecstasy to the participation. So fundamentally, you're just fully engrossed. And in order to get this, and uh, dancers describe, by the way, the experiences, you know, I'll, I'll do a spin and I will see every face in the crowd, even though it took a fraction of a second. Or an artist might say, oh, I painted for five hours and it felt like five minutes. So there's a sense of uh, shift in perception of time. And so uh, the, the, the point of this is that to enter flow state, you have to be doing something that requires talent or skill. And it has to be just outside of your skill set. Meaning, if it's too easy, it's boring, right? So you say, okay, let's go out for drinks with a friend. Okay, great. And that could be really pleasant to catch up with an old friend. It doesn't have to be like the wildest, craziest experience of your life. That's totally fine. The, But if it's too simple or too easy, it's just kind of not remarkable or novel. The second element is that it uh, has to be outside of your skill set, but not so far out that you're failing constantly. Meaning that if it's too hard, you become discouraged and self-conscious. So it has to be just at that nice cusp. And when the activities are there, then you can actually enter this state of flow. And you also want to eliminate distractions. There's like a bunch of other characteristics. But one of the nice things about adventure is that I'm never going to be a professional kayaker. So entering flow state doing that is going to be near impossible. But all of us have a certain level of expertise in social activity, which means that we can all experience flow socially or as we adventure. And we can all fall into that perfect experience of something that's just outside of our skill set, but yet um, not so far out that we become really self-conscious. And I think that that's the beauty of adventure, is that it gives you an opportunity to enter this flow state. It gives you a challenge to overcome. And what's far more important than the stories that will probably fade and be forgotten is that at the end, you're going to be an improved version of yourself. Even if you fail at everything, the fact that you dusted yourself off and kept moving forward makes you a better version of yourself. So I hope that answered what you were asking to some degree, or it was just me throwing in science. because <laughs> No, it, it definitely did. It's, um, you know, it's, there's just going to be, if I can, if I can summarize in a couple sentences, it's like, there's just going to be shit that happens throughout the night and, um, some things aren't going to go exactly your way. Uh, you know, and you just have to kind of either you have to try to, you know, try to get into a state of flow, which is when things are going so smoothly that, you know, um, you lose track of time and, and just so you know, it's not that things are going smoothly. Mm. It's just that you're so engrossed. engrossed. Things go wrong. It's that you're like fully involved. Okay. The line between you and the activity begins to disappear. Mm. Like you don't know where you end and the activity begins. Okay. You did say that. I just, I just misunderstood. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah. So that's, I think that that definitely makes sense as you're going through this experience that you are not, you're almost, yeah, you just, you're in flow. And so let's, let's say we're in that state. Things are going you know, the night's happening, you're on some type of adventure, whether, whether you are, you know, doing, um, random acts of kindness or you're parting with a celebrity. And there was a couple things in the book that popped up that I was like, damn, I can think of situations in real life where that's happened. And I just, and I was like, I did not know what to do, but you broke it down very, pretty eloquently in the book. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered. I frankly wrote most of it, uh, the book after testing things out and yeah. 
<laughs> next day I would like try to just type it all out so that the experience would be as fresh as possible. So I'm <laughs> I'm happy it, it communicated. It did. Uh, so the the two the two questions that I have were um, that you answered in the book were how to how to change the course of a night when things are kind of going like you can kind of tell they're starting to go south. And then the other one is when you are your you know your team is is going through the night and you pick up a um you pick up a guest that maybe you would prefer if they would exit the company of the group ah uh, yes the so there's there's a few things um so uh it's not uncommon that i will invite people along throughout the experience and when you do that for the most part it's fine but every so often you'll bump into a complete dud. Uh, so in fact, let's actually just role play this. In, in the book, I, I gave an example about there was a random guy that uh, and his friend, and we found out that the guy had experienced a bad breakup, and he's super depressed. So he spent quite a bit of time trying to cheer him up, and we couldn't do it, and we didn't want to spend the rest of the night. He was a complete stranger dedicated to trying to cheer somebody up who didn't want to be cheered up. Uh, so let's let's role play this. Uh, let's pretend I'm the guy and you want to get rid of me. What would you do? Oh, man. Well, I think I would... Well, there's, there's two answers. One is what I would probably do and one is what I would like to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what I would probably do is be like, hey, you know, uh, we're going to go over here, have a good night, something like that, where just try to come up with um, an, basically an excuse to like take the group and go. And just um, kind of remove ourselves from that person's company uh, in a kind of in a seamless transaction, I guess, or in a the least likely to cause is, cause any tension. Um, I guess ideally, it would instead of having to like move locations to avoid this person, it would just be uh, ideally. Maybe I'm stealing this from you, but. <laughs> Just saying like, hey, you know, um, I haven't seen these guys in a while. We just want to spend some time together and talk about some or and hang out. Um, so good catching up with you or good seeing you and and then part ways. That way you're not yeah. at the same place or that way you don't have to move venues or anything like that. I think that that's perfect. You really want to just be uh, direct in a non-insulting way, right? So you uh, because there's no benefit to really ever insult anybody. Um, so I would, uh, if I were in your shoes, I'd come up to me and I'd say, Hey, John, uh, it was really a pleasure to meet you. And I'm sorry that you're going through all this. Um, I, I apologize. I'm me and my friends don't get to see each other very often. And, uh, I really wanted to spend some quality time with them. So I, I hope you don't mind. We're just going to uh, hang out just us for now. And then I'd shake your hand, look you in the eye and say, thank you. And then I'd look away and I'd, I'd say, maybe I'd point you in a certain direction so you can go. Um, and there's no reason that the person wouldn't be gracious and leave because that isn't his, like that you have no obligations to the person. Uh, the, the problem is that people start acting awkwardly and making these scenarios far more uncomfortable than necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and the person's a stranger, so you just have to be polite and direct. Um, you also asked a question about another kind of situation. Yeah, uh, if you find yourself, uh, let's say, for, for an example, uh, we, can, we can just role play this one as well. If you find yourself, let's say you're moving venues and you find yourself at a venue or at a place where you can feel kind of the energy of the group dying because of, because of maybe the, let's just say it's the environment. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, so how do you, how do you change the course of the night when you can kind of, when you feel like it's at one of those, it's at like a breaking point where it could die at this point or it could, um, elevate or continue. Great. So the, I think the, there's a few things. One is, you want to make sure that no matter what you do, you end on a positive note. There's something called the peak end rule. It was discovered by Dan Kahneman and Amos Tversky, the brilliant scientist. Uh, who uh, Kahneman won the Nobel Prize for creating behavioral economics and proving that we're not 
reasonable. And it turns out that human beings don't process the duration of pleasure or pain. They process the peaks of experiences and how they end. So it's essential that you end on a really positive note because that's what you'll take away from the entire experience. So if you go on a three-hour long date and in the last three seconds, the person's a total jerk and people ask you, oh, how was your date? You would say, terrible. Even if it was three hours of perfection, that last three seconds of awful made it awful. So the question you have to ask yourself is, should I be continuing? Is it worth the effort? Am I willing to to put in the effort and will the team be able to handle it to take it to that next level? Because uh, if you're all exhausted and you've been partying for three days and you uh, are just trying to, you know, suck the marrow out of life and be like, oh my God, no, we can go for another two hours. <laughs> and everybody's so tired. Like there's really no, you're better off just ending on a really positive note where you sit down and you like kind of maybe have a drink and rehash your favorite moments from the last three days. That's totally fine. It's really an enjoyable experience and it'll end on a positive note. The other scenarios are if it's still early in the night, um, there's a, a few options. One is there's something called the winner effect. The winner effect states that uh, once you experience a win, your body has higher testosterone and uh, prepares you for your next challenge and gives you a higher chance of succeeding at it. It's known to happen in animals in nature where if they experience a battle, they're more likely to win the next battle. But if it happens too much, then they have too much testosterone and uh, they end up taking unnecessary risks or spending time in the open and getting killed. So the key is uh, you can stack little wins. So you throw out little challenges uh, and in the early ones, make sure they're ones that they can win and then just keep going from there. And what will happen is that they'll get more and more excited about uh, about taking on more challenges. Uh, the other is sometimes all it takes is a change of environment or adding people to a group or sometimes people just need a break. So you, you have to really feel out <clears throat> the group and there are no right answers. There's just things that happen to work better and that takes experience and time to understand people's interactions. Um, and also remember, it's not your job to make everybody happy. <laughs> it's like, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. It's okay for you to, like I've had nights where my friends were really just kind of like tired and slow. And I was like, you know what, guys, it's totally fine. I'm going to go explore Montreal by myself. And you go do your thing. And I ended up meeting this group of guys who were all gamers and uh, traveling around the city with them and having drinks. And I had a great night. And the next morning, they were rested and I had an adventure and everybody was happy. So it sounds like it can be, you know, there's there's multiple ways that you can you can handle that situation as as long as, you know, you kind of take the temperature of the the group and the environment and mm -hmm. some and sometimes it's you going off on your own, maybe um switching venues, uh maybe <coughs> throwing up a a challenge that's a low-hanging fruit and then kind mm -hmm. of seeing what happens from there. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so it sounds like I mean, it sounds like if somebody, you know, listened to this episode, they could get the uh, the uh, Cliff Notes version of of your uh, <laughs> of how no such thing. Buy ten <laughs> copies of my book. That's the only <laughs> way to be good at this. this You'll <laughs> never figure it out on your own, and you will suffer with a boring life if you don't buy ten copies of my book. You don't even have to read them. You could just put them under your pillow. You'll get all the material through osmosis. It's science. <laughs> I'm a it's, scientist. You can trust me. Yeah, I I, I think that's that's probably the most accurate thing you've said today is osmosis through, um, touch for, uh, for yeah. books. Yep. That's, that's how it works. Uh, or you listen to the audio version and hear my ridiculous voice telling insanely absurd stories of finding myself awake, like waking up in the middle of the night in a freezing cold field with a <clears throat> random human being next to me on the ground, fully dressed, not knowing who they are or what's going on. And uh, trying to piece together <laughs> the the events of the previous night. So the options are yours. 
<laughs> these all sound like great options. Uh, so to, to, to wrap things up, is there any, any pieces of wisdom or words of advice that you would leave, uh, the future adventures with? Um, I would say find things that are completely unfamiliar and just try them out. Uh, there's a great, uh, I think it's like 99% invisible or an invisibilia episode where uh, they tell the story of a Facebook developer who has like a really wonderful, but kind of like monotonous nut life. And he developed an app that randomly selects the public events on Facebook and then he attends them. And so he ends up at like a uh, Russian uh, developers meeting and he's not Russian and they end up inviting him to stay and he gets drunk with them. He goes to a Thanksgiving three hours away from his home uh, with some random strangers. And like, but his life is fundamentally novel and interesting. He's exposed to people that he would otherwise never see. So one of the things I like to do is I search the area in my hometown, New York, and I find all these crazy events. And I will often pick events that I don't think I will enjoy. Because who knows? This concept that we are some stagnant person that has things that they like and don't like, and that's it, is a load of crap. And so we have to keep retesting. I thought I was a person who hated concerts. Do I hate concerts? Maybe. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't try and go. In a worst case scenario, I've lost, you know, if I'm really not enjoying myself, a half hour, an hour of time and 20 bucks, whatever. That's a really, really valid point that, you know, you have to kind of test your, your compass for what you do and don't like, because just because you didn't like something five years ago or three years ago, doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy it now. Mm -hmm. There's this funny thing. I don't drink coffee and I have no desire to drink coffee, but I'm not sure how often I don't drink coffee because I actually have no desire or because it's become such a part of my identity that I'm not a coffee drinker. That can change at any moment. And then all of a sudden, I have all these new options. So I think it's critical that we question these things that we believe are stagnant and explore and try things. And who knows? Maybe when you make some new friends who really enjoy something, you'll fall in love with it again. Yeah. Well, John, I I think that you know, recapping a lot of the lessons from the book and hearing some of some even some news stories from you now. Uh, now I really want to go out and and test out your uh, your two a.m. principle again, which maybe maybe I'll have to give that a shot over here with a new group of friends. I think you should, and I I think the big key is that the two a.m. principle doesn't actually, which is that nothing good happens after two a.m. except the most epic experiences of our life. Meaning you either just should have just gone home, or it was absolutely incredible, and. Uh, and that's true for anything. It, yeah, last night I was invited to a private dinner at the Hermes uh, flagship store here in New York. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, uh, LA time, got to a 6 a.m. flight, flew into New York, made it home in time to shower and change, and then went to the dinner. And after that much effort getting there, you would think, man, he probably closed it out. I enjoyed the dinner. I spoke to a bunch of people. I had a great time. And then I was like, you know what? I'm done. This is great. And I left. And I left an hour and 15 minutes in. But it was, you know, am I disappointed that I put in all that effort? No, because I like being the type of person who, who's, who goes the distance, who's willing to try things out, who's willing to uh, redesign his schedule so that he can experience novelty. And the food was awesome. So, and I'm sure the rest of the people there stayed for several hours, but I was just, I was done. And I went to bed at 9 a.m. <laughs> it definitely wasn't two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, that's, well. Uh, sorry, not 9 a.m. Sorry, 9 p.m. Yeah, yeah. I was oh, like, I was like 9 a.m. I'm like, shit. <laughs> Things must have gone off the rails after you left. Uh, well, man, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to stop by. And, uh, and share the, you know, the formula for the, you know, the most, most epic night out, uh, with us and, and the audience. And, uh, you know, I'll definitely, uh, share your, um, uh, share a link to your book in the show notes. Is there uh, anything else you'd like the, the audience to check out? Um, oh, or... if you want a really fun 
talk, I just, uh, my TED talk just came out about what makes people influential. And so if you want to be more influential, uh, in any way, shape or form, it's, uh, I think it's really worth it. And it's easily applicable to, uh, living an adventurous life. Uh, so yeah, I think people would enjoy it. I've heard great reviews and it's been getting a lot of attention. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll check that out and I will throw it in the show notes. And, uh, and I definitely, if you're, if you're looking to find more ways to go on adventure, I definitely, uh, definitely would recommend John's book. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for this week's show. Thank you for taking the time to, uh, to check out this episode with John and big shout out to John for uh, taking the time to sit down and share his formula, the most epic night out. Now, if you'd like to check out John's book or check out any of uh, any of the other things that John has put out recently, uh, check out the show notes or head over to johnlevytlb.com. Now, if I could ask you a quick favor, we're uh, we're really trying to get some more reviews over on over on iTunes, and um, you know, when you give us a review, it allows other people like you to find us and to to boost us up in the rankings. Uh, it's really helpful for. You know, for, for us to continue to grow our show and to see more people, uh, checking it out, hopefully, hopefully learning a couple things and maybe applying them to their lives to, uh, to their own personal formula. So we had a recent review, uh, by, by listener Pac Moose and they said, uh, this may not be the most popular podcast in the moment. It's still young, but Carlson pinpoints the best people in the field and prize the treasure from their craniums. <laughs> the conversations pull you in and spit you out a better person than before. Thank you, Pac Moose, for the great review. So if you head over to iTunes, check us out, uh, the Formula Podcast uh, with Trevor Carlson on there, and uh, give us a review if you, if you would be so kind. That's a wrap for this week's show, and I look forward to you tuning in next time. <laughs>